I think the biggest thing that I saw as my weakness that really, again, got magnified as I started coaching other people was my concept of conflict. And I saw conflict as, you know, negative thing. Yeah. And really in any situation, you know, when there's a challenge, you know, challenges on one end, conflicts, the next step after conflict, there's a, you know, positive outcome and negative outcome. Mm -hmm. There's lots of different outcomes, but you need to go through conflict to get there. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really excited about bringing on an amazing young leader, Devin Thompson. He is in his uh, seventh year in the program. And really, we sort of walk through, you know, sort of the maturity of coming in as a 17-year-old and really running a successful business and walking through the different stages of a veteran operator and learning from different district managers uh, to a mini district manager and what the learning opportunities are there. and then you know, struggling in that role and what did he need to discover so that he could take that next leap to being the top rookie district manager and then the top district manager in the company. And then this past year with Luke Fenn breaking the all-time record as a district manager. And then again, looking forward to what he can create moving forward in the, in the business as a leader and for his community. So it's hard to imagine he's 23. So, uh, so really, I, I think you're going to love the podcast. And uh, you know what we're up to. You know, we are in still the middle of our recruiting season, looking for other amazing young leaders. If you know of any amazing young leaders, please send them my way, Chris at leaderspodcast.ca, or you can also send me any information or ideas about the show. You could send people to studentworks.com or leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. So Devin, really excited to get you on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Totally. Totally. Very excited to finally make the appearance. I know exactly. It's been it's been tough uh, <laughs> around your busy schedule. So yeah, people have been bugging, bugging me to get on. I have. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so why don't we go way back? I know this is, I guess, your seventh year in the program, but what were you like before the program and any frustrations that you had? Yeah. So before the program, you know, I would, I would like to think of myself as a similar position of, I was always a leader in, in what I did at school, uh, you know, all the sports that I was a part of, I was always, you know, the captain or one of the captains, one of the leaders on the team and someone to go to, you know, for support. So obviously someone, you know, I always really like to showcase those skills, working as a team at a young age. I think before the program, you know, my last job that I had was working at a golf course where I was making 11.25 an hour Mm -hmm. plus tips. And it took me three years to actually get into the golf course. (laughs) Funny enough, I couldn't even get an interview. So it took a little while. (laughs) Kept working at it, working at it. Finally, I broke through. They finally got it and I got it offered on the spot, which felt great. And, you know, when I was working there, I was making 1125 
And even at the time, like getting tips from members, that to me felt like I was cheating the system, mm-hmm. like getting tips. I felt like I was rich because I was getting an extra, you know, $20 a day from tips. So I think just before the program, I, I had the, you know, idea of, I knew I was a leader. I knew I was capable a lot, but I had nowhere to actually go and put my energy in the work world at, you know, a, a space when you're 17, 18 years old, there's not a lot of opportunities for growth. And I think the frustration was really just not finding somewhere where I could actually push, push through something and, and really develop results. Absolutely. And I know you were one of, one of, you know, a number of our operators get started in their first years, you know, so your first year at Loria, you joined the program. And so how did you see things differently after that first year as an operator? Yeah. So I finished my first year when I was 18. So I was young, uh, you know, straight out of high school, finished when I was 18, when I, I guess I was done my first year of the Laurier business program as well. I think the biggest thing, you know, how I saw things differently was just my concept of what was possible was just totally different. And I would say business-wise, financially, just my goals I'd set for myself continued to shift and just be pushed further away for short-term, medium-term, by the time I was done school, long-term, everything had just been totally shattered backwards. And the perspective that I had created or just kind of found was that, you know, money is easy to find and you really need to work, you know, to do so or why I had that was that I find, you know, figured out was you need to work really hard to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not obviously a, you know, just a free run or anything, but you work really hard. The results are there in the real world to go and claim success. And, you know, I I guess after my first year is kind of what I saw for myself. And even after my first year, I know I was heading back to school and business school and I had a temptation for, you know, I'd say a month or two to drop out. And I'm totally glad I didn't because that would have been a bad decision. (laughs) But really, it was the energy that I had just created in myself of, wow, what's possible running a business at 18? Like, what could I do if I just put my full force into running a business, working for myself, and, you know, just continuing to build off of that? So you know, I think just perspective on life and what's next after university was the biggest thing that changed for me. Yeah. Well, I remember I actually had that same experience in my second year after running a business and going, oh, wow, why am I here? You know, and again, <laughs> I'm glad I stayed. And again, this program is meant to run on top of a great university education, not instead of. So, yeah. So totally. And so then, you know, Talk about your second year because, you know, there are big, big difference in, in, in how you ran that. and, and you know, what happened. And again, a lot of times we'll see our operators really take a big jump like you did in that second year. Yeah. In my second year, I would, I would say the biggest thing that I was looking to capitalize on or create was the full circle learning of in your first year, you do a lot of things really well. You do a lot of things not so well, and you need to actually go execute one more time, in my opinion, to say, okay, I've now done that properly. I know how to do this at a certain level. So in my second year, it was really looking to develop, okay, what's my current skill set and, you know, my current business, you know, capabilities, what was possible this summer and what can I improve on and what, what do I need to go actually start to master it at another level? And one of the biggest things for me was just leveraging employees. In Mm -hmm. my first year, that wasn't something that I really tapped into. I was definitely full on. And in my second year, I made the effort with my district manager to go and really put structures in place so that 
I had employees and I was the manager and I was the business owner. And, you know, they would run the job sites, they would talk to clients and I was the support. I was structuring, I was, you know, selling, I love to sell. So I was doing that, but I think it was just the structure behind it Mm. of having some experience. And again, kind of creating the groundwork of growing a business. Right. And so one of the big metrics that we always use here is, is, you know, what percentage profit did your business jump up that second year? So in my first year, I think I was kind of mid twenties, like right around 26, 27% profit. And in my second year, I think I took a jump to like 33, 34% profit while having a lot more free time, right. you know, while living a lifestyle that I wanted to enjoy from, you know, putting all the labor in earlier in the year, yeah. you know, having, having that kind of time in the summer to either continue to grow my business or put my energy elsewhere. Right. Right. And then, so what happened in your third year, you know, in terms of what you chose to, you know, grow, uh, how you grew as a leader? So I guess my first year I had my first district manager, Fraser. Mm -hmm. My second year, I had uh, another district manager, Sam, because Fraser had left the business. And then my third year, Sam also left the business. uh, (laughs) So I had Pat. Um, So I don't know what the theme was there. (laughs) They didn't like working with Devin. That's what it was. So I had Pat and in your third year of running a business in our program, you know, typically just for, for people to know, there's a decision whether to continue to scale your business to even higher, you know, levels and, and even something, you know, again, something you couldn't imagine in your first year. So continue to scale your business, or there's an opportunity to step into the coaching side of things as a district manager, where you're obviously starting to develop a whole new skill set. So the mini district manager role where you take on a few few operators also while managing your business. So that year, my third season, I was managing a business, which was, you know, really, really well leveraged right. in, in my area. And then actually took on a smaller team of operators where, you know, again, I was kind of taking a step, uh, you know, sideways to uh, the, the coaching role of, of being a district manager. Excellent. Excellent. And so Why don't we sort of take back, because it actually is a really great opportunity. And all three of those people, obviously, Patrick's our VP and a a rock star in the business, but so was Fraser and so so was Sam. So so looking back on that, you know, compare and contrast what you got. and, And this is one of the big opportunities, by the way as a leader to go and say, hey, what mentorship can I get in my life? And and that the opportunity that Devin's had to work with three really great leaders is great. So what sort of different things did you get from them? Totally. So first with Fraser in my first year, I, I would say that I came in pretty raw to the program, uh, you know, unorganized, uh, you know, no, no real sense of direction as, as many people at do 17, in the program. For sure. Never running a business That's at right. 17. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that Fraser really just cemented into me was the skill set and, you know, development of just being organized being accountable. Uh, you know, that was something that I was good at, but I think he started to make me great throughout mm-hmm. that year. So just the structure, not even so much in my business, but my personal life yeah. and, and who I was, was the biggest piece managing everything that was going on in my second year, Sam, you know, again, really great coach helped me get that full cir- circle learning. He was a really big ambassador of leveraging people. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a task that you can easily train to an employee while you could be doing something else to grow your business, why are you doing it? Yes. And I think, you know, that was the biggest piece where I caught myself. He would 
you know, we'd call midday. He's, what are you doing, Devin? Yeah. And I would tell him I'm doing some tasks. He said, stop doing that. <laughs> Go train awesome. someone to do that. And it was, a, it was a lesson that I've still taken forward with me of just find what you can hand off, hand off and That'll again, you know, make your life immensely easier where you can go create more value, create more, you know, growth for yourself and your business. So that was a big takeaway my second year. Then in my third year, like I kind of mentioned, the coaching skill set was something that, you know, I always liked supporting people. I always liked being a captain, but actually developing someone else who needed support and looked for support was something that was really challenging at first, just finding a way to do it well. And I think that was something that Pat did a really great job, you know, with over the years or working with me because it really exploited my weaknesses of what I faced in my business was now showing up in 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 my coaching style. So, you know, really just totally new experience in my third year there. Yeah. So so I recall, I remember, you know, your third year as a mini district manager, you you didn't do as well. And then your first year as a district manager, you were, you know, our top rookie district manager had been top of the pack or one, two, all the other years. So what did you discover that first year, you know, that you went to, you know, again, enhance and, and, and grow in the last three years? I think the biggest thing that I saw as my weakness that really, again, got magnified as I started coaching other people was my concept of conflict. And I saw conflict as, you know, negative thing. Yeah. And Really, in any situation, you know, when there's a challenge, you know, challenges on one end, conflicts the next step. After conflict, there's a, you know, positive outcome and negative outcome. Mm -hmm. There's lots of different outcomes, but you need to go through conflict to get there. Right. And without going through that proper conflict, actually just, you know, having an authentic conversation, you know, honest coaching, there's no way to actually get really great results. And that was something that. I was having trouble with in my business in my first two years that I could kind of slide by with, you know, challenges with my clients and employees. And that really just showed up with my first couple operators of just not, you know, not fully executing, I guess, on, on that area. Yeah. Yeah. It's, in, it's kind of interesting, you know, and again, you were running a really exceptional business, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, but then all of a sudden you put that to scale at 800,000, 1.5, now over $2 million. Those issues become way, way magnified, right? Like, you know, and really setting people free with, you know, what's standing in their way. So if you think back, what made you want to start uh, coaching young entrepreneurs? You know, I guess the, the biggest thing was going back to just before the program, like I always was a player coach, Mm -hmm. you know, I was always someone on the court or on the field that was playing my role, but also offering support and offering strategy to everyone on my team and really being there to, you know, on the sideline, Hey, this is what I see. You know, we could do better. This is what I see. I could do better. You know, what do you think? And really always kind of bouncing ideas. That's why I I always liked that coaching mentality of helping others. And for myself, I think that's one of my kind of unique skill sets or unique skills is working with people, communicating with others. And obviously just, you know, past that, love the business, love being an entrepreneur, obviously got a taste for it at a young age and really just merging two of my biggest interests together was, you know, what, what, what made it make sense to kind of, you know, continue on and, and continue coaching people. So I know over the years you've worked with, uh, you know, a bunch of really, really tremendous top performers in the business. And so what do you see, you know, the top performers doing differently? 
I think um, for me, there's probably, I guess, through, through my three or four years of coaching people, the first thing would be someone's why and just, you know, again, why they're in the program, yeah. really identifying that and knowing their motivation behind what they're about to go through running a business and what they're working through. And, you know, we're working part-time around full-time school. We're having 80 hour weeks in the summertime. We're sacrificing social events and top performers really see that as this is the leapfrog that I'm going to take over other people that'll lead me to a successful career that'll lead me to all of, you know my goals moving forward in you know a kind of professional lens and it's the playing the long game at a, at a young age that I think just you know kind of ties into finding your why and and really motivating yourself and the second thing that I would say is probably your accountability or top performers accountability and really just doing what you say, uh, living into your word and being your word is the best way to put it. Right. You know, really just making sure whatever you put out into the world, you're going to go fulfill, you're going to go live up to with your clients, with yourself, with your painters, you know, personal life, whatever that may be, just sticking to, I've said this, I'm going to go execute on it. Uh, you know, in, in any, in any sense. That's great. And and I see that's something that you're really strong at. What have you done with your team to help them, you know, see that opportunity or get more consistent uh, around again, being their word in the world, you know, what they say happens. Yeah. This is definitely a big conversation that I think I'll have with most people on my team. And I'm sure they're used to me saying it, but really identifying whenever there's a slip in integrity or a slip in accountability, finding the reason why it happened Mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously kind of discovering why it happened, but also, okay, you know, it's happened and what can we put in place in the future? So this doesn't happen again. And I think the one really great habit that I've created for myself over the couple of years is creating structures in my life to make sure that I'm working and performing at a really high level. And I can't say that I'm just a super, super high, high performer without these structures. Right. You know, like one of the best, biggest things in my life is my, my iCal. Right. People look at my iCal or like, what do you, why, what's in there? Like, <laughs> how could you have so many things? And I tell them every single thing in my life is, is in my there? iCal. Yeah. Any commitment that I make, any promise that I make, reminders, you know, I, I make sure that I, I'm making sure that I'm doing my part so that I can execute and follow through with that. So I think what I put on my team is just, you know, having those real conversations, drawing that out of, you know, this isn't going to work long term. If you're going to be unaccountable to what you say, yeah. people won't want to work with you. People won't want to be with you. And let's go fix this at a young age to not have this as a weakness, but as a strength. Yeah. No, it's really, really great. I, I just love that. And it's just, it's just kind of, you know, sort of seeing that if I made a commitment Thursday morning to do something, good chance I may need a reminder on Wednesday night. Oh, I got to wake up early. Like, especially if it's a, a one-off, you know, it's like, yeah. if there's a regular rhythm. Oh, I know, you know, we've got conference calls Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. That no problem. But all of a sudden there's something early on Thursday morning that I need to do an appointment or something that reminders Wednesday night. Cause I may not be reliable. Oh, okay. I don't have to be up or I'm not prepared to be up. And then, Oh, I let someone down. And really the most important thing for me is I let me down and then, you know, I'm not living the way I want to live that high accountability, totally. high integrity in the world. Totally. So um, I know this past year was so unique, um, you know, so 
how did you cope with the challenges of, of COVID? How did your team cope with the challenges of COVID? For me, two of the biggest things would probably be, or two of the biggest kind of, I guess, two words would be collaboration and community. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that, that happened through COVID was just show how strong of a tight knit unit we are as a company of 250 people, 300 right. people, whatever it is. And really just the community of there's this huge challenge that's totally destroyed how we typically run our business. Exactly. And no one gave up. No one said we're not running businesses. We just went to, okay, plan B. This is what, what we're facing. How are we still going to get to our goal? Mm -hmm. And how are we still going to execute on that? And I, I remember you know, like throughout this time, it was, you know, we were developing new strategies, uh, business systems for sales, you know, new sales scripts to deal with the COVID. We had all sorts of objection handling to deal with, you know, when clients brought up COVID or right. when efforts were canceling, all sorts of different things. Um, Facebook ads, like there was all these sorts of really great things, silver linings that we took taken away. And, uh, you know, again, I think for, for myself, like I took the time to be positive throughout all of this because I saw myself as the support system for 20 people. You know, I was their number one support. Right. And I felt like I need to exert confidence into everyone I was around throughout that period. And really for me, it was just thinking through, you know, how would I want my coach to act right now? And I would want my coach to be super positive, driven. Yes, there's, you know, a way we're going to work around this. And that's just kind of my mindset in the moment was I need to be everyone's best coach. I need to support everyone with, although I don't know what's going yes, on, yeah, any yeah. I'm going to pretend like I do yeah. and we're going to, we're going to make it forward with this. Right. How did you think about that? Cause I'm sure I know you were coming in expecting to break the all time record. I'm sure in the business. And then all of a sudden, Hey, you're shut in for six weeks. So you, you're smart enough to know, I just lost the best six weeks of our business in terms of sales and marketing. You know, how are you processing that inside? How are you processing that to your team? You know, et cetera. Yeah. I, I think obviously at, at one point, you know, I looked at my team sales and we were like 35%, 40% to our goal. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely dawning. And I think it was just, you know, continuing to have conversations about realistic expectations and realistic goals. Mm -hmm. Hey, we know, you know, for online sales, we can't control what COVID's doing. We can't control lockdown. All we can control are our actions. And our actions right now, we're inside. We still have our phones. We have Facebook ads. We have a lot of leads to go call through. Let's go execute on everything we can. Right. And there's uncertainty no matter what. Right. Are we going to sit inside and just wait for results to happen? No, that's not going to happen. Right. So let's go create some results while everyone else is, you know, just kind of donning off in quarantine. Yeah. So that that's really what we did. And I think for my team, it was funny. We we were had a team event later early in August. Um, we had like a camping two night outside event. Yeah. Cottage outside event at a cottage. And my team started to, you know, kind of tell me that a lot of them had no hope that they'd run businesses in 2020 and when we were in quarantine. And it was funny because they were telling me you know, they, they had no belief that they were going to run a business and why they stayed committed was from everything that I was saying to them and all the positivity that I was bringing to our meetings, to our trainings, and really the, the glue kind of keeping it together. 
And, you know, a lot of them were just saying, Hey, like, I didn't think we were going to run a business. And because of what you were, you know, leading with and what our team was doing as a whole of right. 20 people, there was no way I was going to be the person who gave up. Awesome. So I thought that was really great. Just the, the team environment there of just working together, yeah. pushing forward to, to get the same goal of having a really great year. Yeah. It's really great. And it's like that, that, that's why teams do better. It's like, oh, I, I, I just, I don't know if this is going to happen or, you know, I, I don't have any confidence this is going to happen. Oh, but I see Kathleen, I see Jake, I see different people pushing forward. Well, I'm going to push forward too. I see my, my leader pushing forward. I'm going to push forward. And then all of a sudden things break. 100%. So, you know, and, and what was the summer like? You know, I know you, you, you know, uh, you and Luke both broke the all-time record. What was the summer like? What was that like, you know, once once you guys got out and got released, that the hounds were released? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I think just from from our results, as obviously teams like Luke and I were able to break the all-time record uh, with our teams both, which was really, really awesome. Yeah. And, you know, just really great success happened. Like we had our biggest five sales weeks ever, The you know, the week that we came out of quarantine when we actually could start producing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone's businesses just took off. Like we we've had like the really crazy operator averages and really crazy just results. And we were missing, you know, half of May or three weeks of May. Yeah. So we really did it in condensed time frame. And, uh, you know, I think everyone had a really common thought of just making this the best summer ever. Yeah. And just thinking about how cool it would be to be able to walk away with what we have now, because they, they did it, which is just, crushing it through a pandemic yeah. and really just being able to live with that forever. If I ran my first or I ran my second year yeah. of business through a pandemic, I hit my goals, right? I did this and just really not letting that be an excuse for anything come September 1st was, was what we just, you know, lived as or lived with as a team. Yeah. That's awesome. So what surprised you most about being a coach and a mentor? I think the biggest thing that really started to I guess, come together for me was just how intertwined all areas of our life, you know, become. And I didn't really see that that much when I was operating. And maybe that was all that was part of the development I needed to do as, you know, to become a great coach, I, I believe. And, and the biggest piece is just, you know, your business life, your personal life, school, the habits and patterns you create in all of those areas will, will again, show up in all those areas. So, you know, for, for example, like habits on, you know, how you handle conflict in your personal life, that's totally going to go show up in your business. When you talk to your painters, when you talk to your clients, when you talk to your, even your district manager and, you know, when you're failing school credits, you know, that's going to impact your, your business life, your personal life, the habits that you form to create that result are showing up in all three of those areas. So I think that was the biggest kind of just, I guess, revolution that, that came to mind when, when I was coaching of just, you know, what, yeah, really just what ties together someone's business is just all three of those areas and being able to impact all three of those areas as a coach is really great. And just having that kind of whole life coaching. Yeah, no. And it's really great when you're, again, you're sort of seeing your world as, as the best you can see your own world, because there's blind spots all over the place. And then you're seeing 15 people or 20 people. And then you're just seeing, oh, wow, like, look, there's a pattern here. Yeah. 
you know, and I won't name anyone, but someone who's unaccountable here. Oh, wow. They're unaccountable in these other areas or someone's managing totally. a conflict in a, in a typical way or in one way. Oh, wow. They're doing it over here. And you just see, you know, it's like these, these trails and then it's really great. You can actually, you know, start making an impact on it. Right. You can start, yeah. start helping them see it, helping them make changes. Totally. So how do you think this experience will be helpful to your career and your life? I think no matter what, you know, I do at this point, these skills will be used forever, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, like no matter what I do, I know I'm going to be in this space. And I know these are just totally transferable to whatever I'm doing, you know, coaching people, working with people, managing, problem solving, critical thinking, all the just aspects of, of my role now, even as an operator, but, um, you know, especially as a district manager to think that. I'm one of the, you know, senior directors of a $14 million company when I'm 23 years old is pretty insane. And to know that my input on systems and how we run trainings and how we coach every operator is taken, you know, to heart is really, really crazy. And it's something that I think we run into a lot in our program that people don't believe us <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. uh, you know the results that we get with our operators the operate the, the results operators get you know revenue wise profit wise yeah. district managers the same thing just the incredible amount of uh, responsibility that we have at such a young age is just something that i don't know any other place you can you can go and get that and and again something just to be able to live up to and live with into your next business no matter what that is yeah yeah, no, it's, it really is it, what what's created here. And again, it's a co-creation of all sorts of amazing people coming together that create this. You know, it's not it's not any one smart person who put it together. It's all sorts of people standing together and then again, holding each other accountable, supporting the best in each other that actually has the incredible results that actually occur here. Because it's just yeah. absolutely remarkable. And again, you know, if someone told me what was happening here, I would say that's not true. Yeah, hundred <laughs> totally percent. And I, I think it's, it's really interesting, you know, at our, at our DM retreats, especially just all of the personalities and backgrounds of, of our district managers coming together and just sharing all of these different perspectives on all the different challenges we're facing as a company, all the different areas of improvement that we already see, but also areas of improvement that we didn't see yeah. and someone will come to a meeting with hey i i think this needs to be improved and i i think we need to work on this and you know we go and work on it yeah. and we go get better yeah. and we go get better and it's just a really cool kind of uh yeah i guess innovative community that we're able to create year after year it's not the same system it just keeps the, the book yeah. gets bigger yes no and and yeah and there's never a sense of you know complacency we're watching out for it like a hawk with our operators and thus we need to watch out for it with ourselves and you know again like you said uh someone ever says something needs to be improved watch out it's coming back okay how are we going to do that okay what are we <laughs> exactly, going to do who, yeah. who do you need help What's with or, you know that's right let's <laughs> no, great idea okay roll up our sleeves so yeah no yeah. that's that's awesome so what habits would um you know leaders, young leaders here listening want to steal from you, uh, Devin? I think the the first one is just, um, you know, my, my accountability and integrity overall to myself and to my team, like the people that I work with and, you know, having that at the same level of importance is, is really a yeah. key thing and really important thing that I do because, 
you need to be able to, again, have some sort of balance where, where it all works. And I would say just living up to my word, like we kind of talked to beforehand has been a really big part of my success. I believe that I'm a person that people know as that mm-hmm. and people, you know, know me as someone that, that can be counted on. And if Devin says he's going to go and do that for me, he's going to go do that for me. And it's very rare that I won't do something for someone. If I say, yes, I, you have my word, that's going to get done. Yeah. So I think that's one really great habit that, that I've kind of carried forward and, or, you know, worked, worked on for sure. And the other thing I think that uh, kind of comes to mind would be just my perspective of really hearing people out and asking questions and really, you know, in a conversation that I'm working with someone or even my, you know, personal life or friends, whatever that is, like, instead of, you know, when a problem or challenge or topic comes up, like, instead of totally jumping in, really hear them out Mm -hmm. and hear what they mean from all points of view and, and make sure that I'm always just asking three times too many questions to make sure I get a full kind of lens of this is where they're coming from. This is where they mean. And it opens up a, you know, a much easier conversation when they know I, I totally hear them out and, and open in that conversation. Yeah, I just really, really love that. Um, you know, both of those, you know, the understanding of there's an independence and an interdependence around our commitment. So it really is really important that first of all, I am, I can count on myself, right? If I can't count on myself, there's, there's breakdowns and then others need to count on me. And both of those need to be really important as a powerful leader. Yeah. And then your, your, you know, a leader's ability to really sit in it. And, and if we think about it, leaders, you know, when you're listening to this, I want to think about sometimes those conversations are going to be difficult because people are going to be saying things maybe that you don't want them to say, or, or maybe, you know, directing concerns about your behavior, concerns about, you know, something that's happening in the company and, and, you know, again, needing to just sit and just listen and clarify and understand. And, and so many times as well, but when we actually do that, people, you know, a lot of times just need to be heard <laughs> and, and, yeah. and problems, you know, can, can, oh, okay. That can get completed for people. Maybe there was just a misunderstanding of what they thought, but, yeah. but really, really being in that space, you know, as Rumi says, I'll, you know, meet me in the field of it's wrongdoing or not right doing or wrongdoing. Meet me in that, that field of, 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 uh, no rights and wrongs, you know, I'll meet yeah. you there, you know? And I know that's a, you know, really, really misquote of, of Rumi. He's a really <laughs> smart guy and I totally blew it. They, they can Google <laughs> it. Don't worry. But building off that, I, I think the one thing that people, people, uh, you know, operators, district managers, anyone in this world is, is we really like to be right. Yes. And it's easy to jump to conclusions to be right. And I've caught myself in situations for sure where I'm wrong and I wanted to be right right away and it, and it didn't work out well. And in that you know, relationship, it impacts the respect that someone else has for you as a coach, as a friend, as a leader, when you're always jumping to be right, not to hear them out. And again, you know, just hearing them out, bridging that gap, I, I find just helped me not only in my personal life have really great relationships, but with my team, you know, make sure that they know that if they have something to say, I'm totally hearing them out and, and making sure I totally get where they're coming from. Yeah, not taking it defensively. And because we've got Google in the world, Rumi's quote, out beyond <laughs> ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. 
it's just such a great, great quote. So, oh, beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. So thanks, thanks, uh, Devin, for bringing that up. So final question, you know, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I would say really it's, it's someone who's looking to make an impact on a community level versus a personal level. And it's kind of the we versus I, you know, I, in my opinion, it's easy for people to be a top performer and be isolated in your own goals and success. And much more challenging when you involve others, support others, and bring them with you to the same successes. So I really see it as just someone who, again, is is looking to be a community, be a part of the community, and again, bring people with them opposed to, you know, again, run off to their own goals alone. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I love it. It's earlier in the um, in the podcast, Evan, you said, hey, you know, at 18, I figured out, hey, I could make money. I could win in this world, right? Like, you know, and again, it's, it's like, you know, that's what we teach our leaders in this program. Hey, I can win. I can, I, I, I can get, I settled. And I settled is not the solution. You know, I settled is a really, really small bar. No, we want, we settled. We have so many big yeah. issues in the world. And so, Hey, I want my entire team of stakeholders. I want the greater community to win. And then it's, it's like you're, you're swimming in this, uh, this pond of, all right, Hey, this is all working for all of us. That's just so awesome. Yeah. 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 And I think again, you know, that, that piece of a leader of tomorrow or being a leader is something that you get exponential results long-term when you're able to win with others, you know, other people want to come and win with you later on. Other people want to be a part of whatever you have going on opposed to going and, and, and again, being off in, in your own success doesn't bring as big of an impact into, you know, our community, our world, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when you're without a team. Yeah, no, it actually, and, and, and I, I, I lied. So, so breach of integrity here. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I want to <laughs> ask you one other question because actually that brought, that just, you know, sort of brought up that whole idea of, you know, again, you know, running in a team and my team's getting bigger and better. And so what is it like in your, now your fourth year of being a, a, a district manager, like, are you finding it easier? Are there more people just coming to you? Are there like, how's, how's it working as a district manager, especially with all the people who've returned to run their business with you again? Like what's, what's it like compared to early on? Totally. So I, you know, I think, I guess there's a few pieces there. I would say, you know, there's definitely a sense of, knowing and, you know, confidence, I guess, in what I'm able to offer to the people that I'm coaching and the, the growth that I can contribute to a business and just knowing the path that they need to take. Right. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I think that comes into play here is the, you know, kind of glass ceiling idea, you know, of, our operators, just like myself, you know, myself and, you know, I guess Luke and Pat, you know, we've been here for a couple of years and growing our teams and what they're looking to get out of the program isn't the same thing from one year ago, from two years ago, from three years ago for some students, they're looking for that new growth. And the one really, I think the most important thing, or one of the biggest lessons that I've taken away from this role is how to provide value and how to do that effectively to my clients mm-hmm. and my clients or my students. Right. I need to be able to provide the highest level of value as they're running the program. And 
that's why people want to come back. They see that there's more value to get. They see that there's more learning to get or else this would be a one-year program. For and sure. It's not. Yeah. And, you know, for me, a simple example would be that the product production manager system, you know, what we would do as operators when I was in my second year of the program was like $200,000 was like the end all be all. Yeah. Like if you did $200,000, you were the, you were the man yeah, exactly. or the woman. Like You were breaking the all-time record. That's roughly yeah. where the all-time record was. Yeah. Totally. So you you were it. And now 200K is is still amazing. You can't take that away from anyone, but the club just gets bigger. Yeah. You know, the, the the jackets that are getting handed out at banquet <laughs> for the 200K club, yeah. you know, where we can't, can't get enough. And I think that's what the really crazy piece is, is we saw, you know, the production manager system, a way of making sure people can scale their business to 250, 350, yeah. 450, yeah. you know, 500K. We have businesses doing $500,000 worth of work. And, and that's been a thing of we need to continue to get better. I can't be complacent in my role. Or, you know, again, that brings down the, the kind of integrity of our business and, and what I have to offer to the people that I'm coaching. Awesome. Awesome. No, that's really, really exciting. Uh, you know, congratulations, Devin, for all your, your hard work in the program and, and really appreciate, you know, finally getting you to jump on the, on the podcast for us. Thanks a lot. Can't, can't wait to see, see it go viral. You betcha. (laughs) (laughs) It will, I'm sure. Okay. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Hey leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.